0: Welcome to Radio K A L, the Superman homepage. My name is Steve Eunice, and my co-host is Neil Bailey. Hi, Neil. Hey, Steve. Happy late birthday again. Thanks. Uh, don't remind me another year gone by. I wouldn't. You might forget. Nah, I'm just kidding. You're wiser than me. That's your revenge. So here we are, our ninth show.
1: And what's at the top of your topics list this month? I've got some deep stuff this month. Pretty heady, so you folks will just have to bear with us. But something simple to start. I just wanted to reiterate, believe it or not, no new information aside from the 52 series about Infinite Crisis. So just to reiterate, we don't know anything. Well, we know some things, but nothing about Infinite Crisis. And I promise, if you email us, we won't magically know more. We're not really quiet about the stuff that we know. Unless you're hiding something from me, Steve. Not a thing. It's all pretty hush-hush until the first issue comes out. Superman Returns, on the other hand, I know you, I, I just saw you at one of the video diaries. Did you all catch that? The Stopparazzi? Where were you in that one, Steve? Yeah, that was pretty cool.
0: If you blink, you'll miss it, though. Um, but to answer your question, Neil, it was during filming on the streets of Sydney way back in April. I was sitting at a cafe which was situated right on the barrier of the filming location, and the video diary camera was checking out the crowd, and I just happened to be in the front row. It was a pretty cool day. Brian Singer came up to us, and he answered our a heap of my questions and signed autographs and just mingled with the fans until he was required back on the set.
1: He's been, from what I gather, pretty cool to all and self-deprecating to a modest degree. I mean, I know how they gave those paparazzi the trouble in the diary, but still, he's been pretty cool about the production with the general general public. Usually movies are pretty fascist about that kind of thing, stealing cameras, etc. But unlike other movies, Singer's been open about his love for the projects, hitting the cons, taking questions, and etc. Agree with his work or not, he's at very least talking about it, which is something I respect. Yeah, he's great that way, which I think the fans really appreciate. There's the other side of the coin, where where George Lucas has hitmen smite people with lightsabers, that's all I mean. Singer hasn't said, oh, Superman finds out that Lex is Luke's father, but he's been forthcoming in at least a tantalizing way about the costumes, the characters, the time frame, and the continuity, and the money. Ooh, dang, there's a lot of dough. Lex Luthor doesn't have the budget for his own movie. And don't (laughs) don't email me saying that he has five million bucks, because I know that, that's a joke, but... Oh, God, somebody save me. I know that.
0: Yeah, on the face of it, it seemed like a lot of money, but what many people are forgetting is that the total sum takes into account the failed attempts at previous directors of previous films. Uh, That's what I've heard anyway. They never really fully disclosed this stuff during the production process, but $250 million US would probably be justified considering the grand scale and how many special effects they'll be doing. Anyway, I'm pretty sure, 100% sure actually, that they'll make that back in spades at the box office. Not to
1: mention merchandise. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the movie will make a ton of money, good or bad. It's like a Star Wars movie. It's a Superman movie! Granted, Superman 4 didn't make too much, but then every franchise dies after a, f- after a few movies when you get the first one that sucks. That doesn't stop the naysayers, though. I remember emailing you or IMing you saying, I bet someone says this is gonna suck just like Waterworld because they both have the same budget, and lo and behold, within the first few comments, bingo! The Star Wars movies cost about half of what this movie's going to cost, so I'm not going to lie and say it's not a concern, but really, imagine hemming and hawing over that kind of thing with the Spider-Man movie or the X-Men movie, and some argue that they did and that it, it was detrimental. In this new wave of comic book movies, there's no, there's no way at all, unless the story is beyond abominable, but that this will tank, by Fantastic Four being an exception in that sense. Or if Singer comes out and says that he's an evil racist bent on world domination or something, that's about all I can think of. Yeah, I know I'm biased, but I don't
0: see Superman Returns bombing. Actually, I seriously think it'll be one of the biggest movies of all time.
1: I'm with you. Like it or love it, I totally think that's what's going to happen. There are certain movies which are sure things. It's part of the reason why we all have horrible remakes and sequels in Hollywood ad infinitum. People know and love a sure bet, and there are a few surer bets than Superman, pessimists aside. So switching gears, you've got a new feature in the works, or a few new features that we've been working on. You got a special description for the folks who listen to this as a treat? Well, it's still early days, but I've purpose-built a new chat room specifically intended for
0: chat interviews with special guests. I'm hoping to get some writers, artists, uh, industry people of all kinds to the chat room to to participate in a live chat with Superman homepage members.
1: And people can submit their own questions without interrupting the flow for the viewers, right?
0: Yeah, it's designed to be a one-on-one chat with me and the special guest with members able to view the discussion and submit questions to me for possible inclusion in the live interview while chatting amongst themselves with their fellow fans.
1: That also helps avoid certain problems we've had when folks pop into chats, and like when Jeff Loeb is in there or Gail Simone and someone says, Hey, Jeff Loeb, what do you do? And then we have 15 posts of people smacking their foreheads, and that, that that's just
0: bad. Yeah, this new idea will hopefully make it a more pleasant experience for the special guest. So we'll see how it pans out anyway. But the other new item is for Radio KAL. Uh, it's a new segment you and I have been discussing, uh, a Superman brain teaser segment. Yeah, you hit
1: me with a few of the test riddles and it knocked me flat, and I love logic riddles.
0: At this stage, I'll likely debut it in next month's Radio KAL show. Uh, but as I said earlier, it's still early days, so
1: stay tuned to see how that one works out. They're a blast. You guys should keep your eyes out for them, for sure. Now, for more on the comic side, what's your impression of 52? It's going to be a year of weekly stories set in real time, like 24, about the, the missing year of the DCU and, and happening um, as the next year unfolds in the monthlies after Infinite Crisis. Some critics have said that uh, a weekly doesn't work well, pointing to the fact that it'll cost a lot of money for the, for the readers. But I see the top talent of the DC crew on this thing, and I can't help but be excited. What's your take?
0: Yeah, beyond that, I haven't read much more about it. Uh, I think it will be an interesting exercise. It'll be tough on the creators. I mean, they sometimes struggle to get a monthly issue out on time, so I can't imagine the logistical nightmares involved with getting a weekly title out on time. But more power to them. Um, It's got people talking, and I think they'll have people buying it just because of the novelty factor.
1: Are you going to pay $2 a week for 52 weeks? I will. I'm just playing devil's advocate. That's the chief complaint I've heard.
0: Yeah, the hip pocket won't like it much, but what are you going to do? DC knows how to hook us.
1: Yeah, and chances are, if you can't afford a book a week, you're not reading many comics anyway, so you probably won't be big on these huge crossovers anyway. Which brings us to the heady topic. Fairweather event fans and how to regard the way they shape some of the comics we read, among other topics. I was just noticing, and I figured it might be good to talk about, a trend and an ideal in comics. I first noticed it in Lex Luthor Man of Steel, which you may know. I, I reviewed very negatively, to put it all on the table here. But I was reading that book, and I said to myself... This is not the Lex Luthor I know. Yes, he, he was on, characters in wa- on character in ways, especially in his hatred for Superman and the dialogue surrounding that. But we go from ex-president Luthor to the early days of Luthor and or the days of Luthor after he became president somehow. Out of continuity, in other words. Basically, the story was an excuse to characterize in a way that was kind of marketable, and I'm not sure if that was intentional or not, but it was pretty obviously an excuse to make Lex cool again, and the people who think he's a nyah man wouldn't go for that kind of thing, or the people who maybe like the President Luthor story wouldn't necessarily go for that story. And in some ways it worked, and in some ways it failed pretty categorically, but the dichotomy that pulled at me, the thing that I really wanted to bring up, was the way that reviewers across the net, and even in publications, looked at it. People don't realize, but I read a lot of reviews myself, sometimes and often before writing my own, and the general impression of this story was that it made Superman new and original again in a way that it wasn't across the net, aside from my reviews and and, and the diehard Superman folk who kind of panned it, whereas, say, the stories that are faithful to the hero and are less of a drive-by get snubbed because Superman is the big boy scout. This... I believe, contributes to the impression that Superman needs to be this roaring automaton with red eyes who hates what he is, a Marvel hero in a sense, and Lex Luthor, Man of Steel taps into that fan fanbase that wants, that wants that, along with the people who like to see evil Lex, and from a reviewer's perspective, THAT is what I see as the reason why it receives such a array of reviews from the general media, along with For Tomorrow. So the question being, and, and the question that that brings up with me is, where does style and popularity intercede with what is traditionally best for the character, or at least understood? Wow, thought about it much? Yeah, I mean, it's tough, because I don't want to make this about Azzarello. I don't like his book, but I wanted to discuss the trend, the way that Superman is popular when he's not being Superman-y with the general public, and yet the people who have followed him for decades see a completely different picture. And I want to discuss how that relates to both the business and the intent, meaning they're supposed to make money, but they're also supposed to hold up a tradition, like Jimmy. In a recent comic book, he appeared with long hair and without freckles. If Superman is violent hates what he does, and looks evil, is that the still Superman that we're seeing? And more to the point, if this is what the popular public wants, and if DC is about the bottom line, what will stop Superman from being subsumed in this? The same could be said for the TV show Smallville, Uh, but we'll leave that
0: one until next month's show. I'm really looking forward to ripping and tearing with certain issues on that side of things.
1: Yeah, and I'm not going to cough and throw Clark having sex into the middle of that cough. (laughs) <laughs> Next topic. That's about all I had. I just mainly wanted to kind of bring that up, because it was really dragging me down lately. I mean, I'm trying to put a few comics out there myself, self-publishing and all, and I was just thinking about the ramifications of the popular desire over the nobility intent and intent of character. Uh, and and how that pertains to fart jokes. But at any rate, I know Superman will pull through. There's always someone out there who can see that uh, see through that murk and produce a good story. I just wonder sometimes why the oddest things appeal and catch the public eye. Why violence is more important in some respects than a good story. And that's a generalization, but it's still something that's good to talk about and think about. So anyway, what's the, what's the sound for this month, Steve?
0: Ah, yes, the super-secret soundbite competition.
1: Only one thing alive, but less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you.
0: Last month, we had yet another season one Lois and Clark sound, and a whopping 30 people guessed that the sound came from the 18th episode called Batman. Those 30 people were... Peter Pham, Stephen Chung, Alan Yu, Suckling, Angie Campbell, Daniel Flores, Ken Moody, Joseph Dempsey, Ryan Thomas Riddle, Stephen G, Patty, Jeremy Smith, Nicole S, Dan Francis, Nelda Mormon, Andrew Morton, Zach Shapiro, Matthew Guy, Kirk Spradbrow, Sabino Camacho, James Heath Lance, Michael Bailey, Focus 11, Ron Zaguli, Leif Anderson, Joe Sergi, Neo, Peter Barden, Vincent Hoang, and Mike Libretto.
1: Congratulations, guys. 30 people. That's just a ton.
0: It is, so I guess I've got to make it a lot harder again. I'm sticking with the Lois and Clark episodes for another month. So here it is, this month's Lois and Clark Super Secret Soundbite.
1: Well, your job ain't going to be worth the sweat flying off an Elvis imitator if you end up dead. I got it! That's from, uh, Shattered. No, wait, that's Smallville. Don't! I hope you guys have better luck with
0: it than me. Yeah, nice try, Neil. Can you guess which Season 1 episode of Lois and Clark that came from? If you can, use the super-secret soundbite competition entry form found on the Radio KAL webpage and send your entry in. If you guess it correctly, I'll read out your name in next month's episode of Radio KAL. Or, alternatively,
1: you can send 100 bucks to me. Kidding. <laughs>
0: okay, time for the new teaser trailer for the latest chapter of... Superman the last son of Krypton audio drama
1: a powerful new foe great row strong you saved me run a return to action
0: clark doesn't look like he's faring too well
1: i've got to get out there
0: i don't think that's going to be enough
1: a startling discovery Maybe I should get a few shots of that Kryptonian battle suit before it's too late. Wait, someone's in there. And a timely reunion. Uh, Lois? Issue 9 of Superman, The Last Son of Krypton debuts September 28, 2005 at supermanhomepage.com. How do you like that, huh? It's still going strong, you know? You can, you can download it right next to the radio KAL here. It just takes rudimentary movement of the finger slightly to the right, and you, too, can be part of the magic. Last Son of Krypton, Chapter 9, only on the Superman homepage. Neil, you ever heard of Allison McCallum? No, sir. Any relation to Rick McCallum? That's a Star Wars
0: joke, and a bad one. Anyway, she's a singer. She recorded a song titled Superman back in 1972, I think it was. And that's the song we've got for our listeners today. Here it is, Superman by Alison McCallum.
1: you running out of superman songs yet steve
0: nope there are over 300 songs mentioning superman so ask me that question again when we reach radio kal episode 327 in may of 2115 may we live that long well that's the show hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you thanks once again neil thank you steve you stay short-haired and freckled jimmy olsen join us again next month for another radio kal show i'm steve eunice You've been listening to Radio KAL at supermanhomepage.com.